A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And you know how we do on Fridays. Kicking it off with the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan's Joke of the Week. Chris Jericho. Jesus walks into the inn, shuts down three nails, and says, is this going to be enough to put me up for the night? Thank you very much. That's great. Oh, that's great. Uh, I love that one. Uh, thanks to Duff McKagan for another uh, classic uh, rotten joke. Um, hopefully he can call in some more because he uh, is doing a great job. And every single Friday when he gives us jokes, we will play them for you right here on Talk is Jericho. Uh, only place you're going to hear the Duff McKagan joke of the week and the only place you're going to hear the debut of Taz, one of my old friends here making his debut on Talk is Jericho. We worked together in ECW and then again in WWE, and now Taz has his own live radio show, video show podcast called The Taz Show. You can check it out daily on Facebook at The Taz Show. He's also going to tell us more about uh, what he's got coming up along with stories about his wrestling career, what inspired the Taz gimmick, his first match in WWE, how he broke the news to Paul Heyman that he was leaving ECW and Paul's response, how he became a color commentator at WWE and the trials and tribulations of all of that. Taz makes his big debut coming up here on Talk is Jericho. He obviously knows how to do a radio show. He's very entertaining, very, very good guest, and we're really excited for you to hear it all. Also excited for you to check out the uh, Judas Rising 2018 Tour Fozzie kicking it off next week in New Orleans at the House of Blues. February 28th is the first day We've got Through Fire, Santa Cruz, Dark Sky Choir joining us. First round of dates looks like this. Okay, like I said, uh, February 28th in New Orleans at the House of Blues. March 1st in Houston at the Scout Bar. March 2nd, Dallas at Canton Hall. That's on a Saturday. Uh, Sorry, that's on a Friday. Lubbock on March 3rd at Jake's. March 4th, El Paso at Speaking Rock Casino. That's a free show. So if you live in El Paso and you want to come uh, check out Fozzie, come see us at the Speaking Rock. We were there a few months ago when we did Fozzie Across America. It is a great venue, a great place. Kevin Vargas taking care of us there in El Paso. Free show in El Paso on uh, Sunday, March 4th. 
Then March 7th, we're in Tucson at Club X. March 8th in Phoenix at the Marquee Theater. Come check those shows out. March 9th, San Diego, House of Blues. We're playing there with Iced Earth. Uh, only show the tour where we're with Iced Earth. March 10th, Los Angeles at the Whiskey. March 11th in Las Vegas at Counts Vamped. March 13th, San Francisco at Slim's. March 15th, Portland, Oregon at Dante's. March 16th, Seattle, Washington at Studio 7. Oh, second leg of the tour already booked with Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit, Grand Rapids, Dayton, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Clifton Park, New York City, Philadelphia, Portland, Maine, Hampton Beach. If you want tickets and information at any of those shows, go to FozzyRock.com now and pick up. Uh, up all the info pick up some tickets get Fozzie vip one of the best vip meet and greets you're going to find in the entire uh music business we'll give you a mini concert uh just for you and the other vips we'll meet you we'll greet you we'll even retweet you we'll take pictures we'll sign we'll do whatever it is that you want to do go to fozzyrock.com to find out information about Fozzie's award-winning vip program uh, a couple of the things if you want to go see uh Fozzie, uh, at New York at the Gramercy Theater and Ice Thirst at the Gramercy Theater. They're playing there March 22nd. If you buy a ticket for either show, you get to go to the other show for free. So you buy an Ice Thirst ticket, you get to come to the Fozzie show. You buy a Fozzie ticket, you get to go to the Ice Thirst show. Just go to FozzieRock.com for all information on how you can do that. And also April 8th, I know that's a WrestleMania day. I will not be at WrestleMania, but I will be performing at Wally's in Hampton Beach in New Hampshire. If you come to the Fozzie show, it's an early show. We'll be finished by 7. Then Fozzie, myself included, are going to stay at Wally's and watch WrestleMania with you. So buy a ticket for the Fozzie show and watch WrestleMania uh, with Fozzie and Chris Jericho for free. So that's it for that. Go to FozzieRock.com for all information. And here we go. It's time for Taz to shoot straight right here on Talk is Jericho. So here's the thing. I am in this uh, studio, Taz's studio, his radio show. And 500 episodes. That's really impressive, man. And it's funny to me because you've really parlayed almost what you were known most for. Like you were a great wrestler, but almost known more as being a great commentator. And now this radio show after 500 episodes, how do you how do you have the show go for so long? What's the secret? Uh, same thing you've done with your music career. Same thing you've done with your wrestling career. Everything you're acting. It's work ethic, right? It's mm-hmm. how we're built. It's the fabric, who we are. It's the grind. It's the competitiveness. It's to be a winner. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you, you were raised by a pro athlete, okay, and your dad. So you were raised to be a winner. You were raised to compete, right? Mm-hmm. I was. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't raised by a pro athlete, but it's drive. It's it, it's to be the best. It's to compete against yourself, right? You know, and I think guys from our generation as wrestlers have that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not all guys, but I think a, a lot of us. You know, How do you um, like hosting a show? I love it. Mm-hmm. I've had in the past three years and 500 episodes the most fun I've ever had. Sometimes I miss wrestling. Not often, like being in a ring, but I know physically I couldn't because I was just banged up too much. I do miss color commentary sometimes, but nothing tops what I do now. Like being a broadcaster, having that creativity, you understand. You have that creative liberty. You have that there's no governor on you. You just do your thing, man. And when you have creative juices, well... Hopefully they taste good, and, and, and that's the deal, man, you know? So drink it in, man. Yeah, I just told you gimmick. How, 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 how do you, like, run your show? Like, do you, how do you decide what you're going to talk about? Well, it's funny you the word topic, because that's what the show is. It's not a traditional type of podcast covering wrestling. No knock on anyone, including yours. It's not a guest-driven. It's a topic-driven. So, which makes it, as you know, knowing podcasting so well, it makes it not as evergreen, which is a negative, 
But I'm lucky enough that the company I work for, they wanted a topic-driven live video show. And that's what I've been for, you know, 500 episodes. And it's um, a lot of it is about my uh, experience as a, as a worker and a commentator and a trainer and watching wrestling, not just WWE, other programming, Lucha Underground or Ring of Honor. You know, I don't, I don't watch much TNA, but, you know, and I'll watch it and, and people want to hear my point of view mm-hmm. on it. And um, that's kind of what I do. It's, it's very topic-driven or it's not a news show. So, like, if, you know, hypothetically Chris Jericho is working for WWE and he gets to a fight in a bar and breaks a guy's jaw and gets arrested, I'm not really going to talk about that. Like that, so it's topic driven, but not that. I'm not a news show, you know. Mm. Yeah, I'll talk about news sometimes if it's newsworthy, heavy, you know. Um, but I don't, like, I don't, I don't get into people's business. I don't, I don't try to be controversial. The controversy, I don't, yeah. I don't, I really yeah. don't. I swear to you, I don't. That's not my thing. Um, I give my opinions. They're hard opinions on what I'm watching, and I try to be fair. I won't say, oh, what WWE did here sucked. Period. No. What WWE here sucked, what I would have done is this. Right. That, so, uh, yeah, maybe it's armchair quarterbacking, but at least I'm not just saying it sucked. But you, once again, you're almost like a, like a Don Cherry or, or John Madden yeah. that you played the game. Correct. So, you know, your opinion, and you're allowed to have your opinion, has a little bit more validity to it. So does this entail you having to watch Raw and SmackDown every week? <laughs> yes, bro. That's part of your job yes. now. <laughs> How is it for you? Because like, for me, as, as, uh, maybe lot. it's because I'm still in the job. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to watch wrestling. I'd rather just read it online or read, yeah. you know, the Meltzer sheet or just find out kind of a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. But I, to watch the shows, it's hard. Bro, I... When I worked for WWE like you, when I was a wrestler, even into being a commentator, especially then, I didn't watch any of the shows. <laughs> I didn't. And that's just the thing. When you're doing it for a living, you're there. You don't want it. You, want, you don't want the wrestling business in your home mm. or your life or your mobile device when you're not around the locker room or the company. This is different. M- what I do is I have to. Like, that's what people expect. Now, that being said, there's a lot of what I do in my show that has nothing to do with wrestling. We have a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of jocularity. It's a lot of guy talk, sophomoric stuff, mm-hmm. goofing off. It's a morning show feel. Um, I talk a lot of sports. You know, a lot of you know football and college football and baseball. Just, but obviously my expertise is wrestling. But I, um, I'll give opinions on 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 wrestling and and what I see and I do to answer your question. Yeah, I have to watch Raw. SmackDown, NXT, and if I only watch a quarter of it or a half of it, I'll say that. I'll say, listen, I didn't watch the whole show, but what I did see, I'll, I will not comment on something I didn't see. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of my producers saw it. I'll get their fan perspective, and I'll react to what I feel they saw. You know what I mean? So when, when you were uh, doing color commentary, you were really good at it. You and Cole were Thank real you. good Thank you, man. Team. That means a lot. And um, what do you think, like, what does it take to be a good commentator? When you watch it now... There's some that Cole's still on there. I mean, there's some, some good, some bad. But in your opinion, what is the secret? I think the first thing is if you're a color commentator, not play-by-play, so if you're a former wrestler, you have to, and I learned this from Vince McMahon directly to me in a private conversation, you have to be able to take your ego and what you did and take, it's not about you. Hmm. It's about the talent. And you have to, you can't have an ego. It's a humbling job. Right. I got to put everybody, and you know how the boys are. I don't want to put nobody over. <laughs> I put over more guys as a commentator than I did as a worker. You know? <laughs> I didn't put anybody true. over. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, and, but the thing is, you, you got you to take your ego, and, and Vince taught me that right away. He said, You put your ego behind a curtain. And, and the first guy I did that with as a commentator was Kurt Angle. Kurt 
hated suplex, and I respect and love Kurt and, and, and all, and and I, I put over his suplex so high, and like I know Kevin Dunn and Vince thought it was the greatest thing ever, and I put over a suplex, mm. you know, and I meant it. His suplex was really good. Now, I humbly say I thought mine was better, <laughs> but I, I didn't say that on the air. Well, no, I'm joking, but yeah, you got you got to be able to, I think the key is, bro, is you, you got to be able to put your ego and your agenda and table it. And it's got to it's got to stay in the gorilla position. You just can't bring it out to the ring and you know, out to the, to the announce desk. That's number one. I am a, I'm a guy who believes in a former world champion as a color commentator. Now that's not a knock on any current color, color, color commentators, but I believe in the guys who've been to the dance, who've drawn some money, and who who know what it takes to to have a, a title. Because as you know, because you've done it so many times, when you're a world champion, you know, yeah, it's a work. We understand that, but. But it's really not, though. Right, right, you know? because you you are the, the front man. Yeah. You're the guy, you mm-hmm. know? So that's a very big responsibility, as you know. And it's a big deal. So I believe that how is it, and I know it's going to sound negative on current color commentators that maybe weren't world champs. Well, there's nobody that's on the on the commentating staff that worked, is there? Except for Corey. Corey, right. I think he was a tag champ in NXT, but, and he does a good job. And Byron is, I don't know if he Barely worked. worked that, yeah, a bit, and the yeah. other kid on uh, um, on uh, NXT, I don't remember his name. Oh, Nigel Well, McGinnis. not Nigel. I know he worked. Yeah, he was yeah. a good worker. Um, but on Raw and SmackDown, no, it was really not. Uh, it's interesting. That's a good point. So that to me, that's a, that jumps out to me. Mm-hmm. I believe in that. I believe in guys that you can't tell me as a fan if I've never been a wrestler. I just, I can't. You can't tell me what it's like to be in the pit right. and be in the grind as a world champ if you haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's just, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to those guys. I hope the best for those guys. And I met Corey. He seems like a really good guy, you know, and he's good at what he does. But it's a great point, though. Just it my really point, is, my yeah. opinion, you know. I just, I believe in that. So I think that's another ingredient you need to have is to have some legitimate sea legs under you as a professional wrestler. I really believe in that. Um, I think those are some putting your ego, checking it, and having. The chops also will talk, obviously. You know, for me, it was, uh, I, I didn't want to do it. You know? Really? How did that start then? Well, because I was in an angle with, uh, I did the thing at the garden with JR where I, I cut a promo on him, and, Je- and then Jerry Lola got up and popped me, and then we got into a little angle, uh, Jerry and I, I'm trying to remember. And then we did a thing where, like, on a SmackDown somewhere, I think I attacked him before the show. And then uh, I sat oh, in and did color. So I was supposed to sit in for like one match, and then Lawler was going to come and attack me from the front row from behind and then take his seat back. I was going to sit with Michael Cole for like the opening segment of, of SmackDown. I think it might have been in Louisville. I don't know why that sticks out to me. So we do the segment, me and, me and uh, uh, Michael Cole, and I'm like, oh, all right. I was a little nervous, but I could talk, and I could just basically, you know, see what's going on in the ring. and. And I'm waiting for someone to tell me that Jerry's coming, but no one, Jerry didn't come. Like, no one attacked me. I'm like, all right, well, that didn't work. I, we just, I know, you know, it's yeah, been it's, something like that. Like, what's going on? Like, going, we kind of yeah. worked this out. All right, next segment, no one's talking to me. Hmm. And there's no talk back. Like, I can't talk back. I right. can hear. See, TNA was different. TNA was a two-way street at the announcement. Oh, stage. you could say, hey, what's going on or something like that, right? WWE, not so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> one-way Jones, bro. So, <laughs> you can hear it, yeah. you can't say it. Vince doesn't want to hear what you have to say. And they can see you. <laughs> yeah. That's the fun part. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so, no law. No, he's not attacking. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Next, the music starts for whoever it was. I mean, I've been Chuck Palumbo or somebody. All right. So, I look at Cole, and he just writes me, no, keep going. Hmm. All right. So, we just start calling that match. Then there was another match. 
And so I'm like, what? I didn't know what's going on. It was basically a live on-air audition, I guess. And next I know, Lola came at the room and just drills me. Like, I didn't even know he was... I, I forgot about Lola, which wasn't fun. I'm like, oh, man. I thought it was like a mark who just sucked me. And I realized we were doing a... And I went backstage, and I went to Gorilla, and Vince called me over. He said, hey, uh, he goes, you're very good at this. You have a lot of uh, potential in this. I, 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 I didn't know what he was talking about. Because I wasn't going out there like to audition, and I'm like, oh, thanks. You, know, you don't get, you know, you get a compliment from Vince, you just take it and say thank you, and just mm-hmm. I, I want to just they walk don't away. come easy. They don't come easy. Yeah. He said, no, listen, Taz, you're very good at this. Okay, and then that was, and then like we came home from the road, and I got a call from Kevin Dunn, and said, um, hey, uh, Jerry Lawler can't make it to a UK tour. We're doing a UK pay per view. I knew about the pay per view. I was supposed to be at a house show working somewhere. And um, he said, we're going to take you off the house show. We need you to go call a three-hour pay-per-view in the U.K. with JR. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. I go, Kevin, I don't know. He goes, don't worry. JR will get you through it. I'm, I, dude, I was like pooping my pants. <laughs> and JR got me through it. And then the rest is history. It just kind of clicked. And I didn't want to do it. But it was hard. It was very hard. And I'm a competitive guy, as I said. So it was a challenge. And then, uh, you know, Vince said, listen, you, you, you know, I tore my bicep. I was injured and all this. So it's like, listen, you're not, you got a messed up neck, you know, you have a lot of physical issues, you know, this could be a great career for you. You have a young child at home. My wife wanted me to embrace this. I really didn't want to. I, you know, I wanted the boys. Wrestling, I wanted to go yeah. work. And I did it. And I have no regrets. I wouldn't have the career I have now. And when I got the contract with CBS to do my live daily show, Vince McMahon is the first guy I emailed. I didn't text him. I emailed him and I thanked him and I told him what I had. And he replied to me right away, and he was so happy for me. And 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 I said, I have to thank you. I, you know, you and Kevin, you guys put me in this position, and Michael Cole and Jr. helped me. And you know, I wouldn't have this. It's interesting because that's something that Vince is very good at. I can almost guarantee that it was not a coincidence. And obviously, the Lawler thing was probably no. Tell Lawler to wait for a bit. I want to watch this because I bet you he was thinking. He might have heard you do some promo or something and went, listen, we know his career is not going to last much longer physically, yeah. but this guy can talk. Let me see what he can do. I think so. Right? Yeah. You, you, know, know. you, know, you think, hey, Fabi, you don't know. No, right? I'm not going to tell you right now. <laughs> and that's cool. Now as I'm older, I understand. They shouldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. You might, you know, they you might get in your own head and you know? freak out so, and screw so, up. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Right. I um. Yeah, I remember those times, and it was it was it was crazy because I I didn't want to do it, dude. <laughs> but I is, have no regrets. Is Vince in your in your earpiece the whole time when you're doing? Is he telling you? Because I know whenever I do guest commentary, you're like Chris, say this or something like that. Is that uh, an ongoing thing? It depends. Okay. Um, I used to love when Vince was in I can't, the angle he was doing with a lot of stuff. Like him. He was on TV a lot. Well. Like with Trump and all this stuff, it was great because he wasn't a gorilla. <laughs> so it was <laughs> right, like right. me and Cole could just work. Or JR would be there and he was cool. He would produce us easy. No, Vince Vince at times would overproduce us. Um, he wasn't constantly there. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the problem is Vince would be distracting the gorilla with something and then get on the air and say something new. Meanwhile, I might have just said it. Right, yeah. Or contradict what my partner says. That's why I hear like Booker T. He's the only guy, by the way. Who's a world champion? Right, good who's, point. Who's good commentary? Yeah, good call. And I'll listen to what Booker says. He's, he's mm-hmm. lived, you know. Yeah, that's a good he's point. He's credible. Um, but the thing is, bro, it's like for me, I, I, I think all announcers need to be produced. Overproducing can get a little bit. That's why like Booker T. That's what I was gonna say. Booker. Sometimes you'll hear him say something, and like the uh, Cole and uh, uh, what's his name, Corey, will rib him and joke with him on the air. But it's just because, it's not that Booker's a dumb guy. He's being. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It can make you really, yeah. it can screw you up. 
It, it was. Is there ever a time when you didn't say something that Vince wanted you to, or he got mad at you for it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was this time, too, where I would do this gimmick, where he would say something, I just wouldn't say it, and he would get hot, and he would just keep, and he'd scream, and I would just no-sell. <laughs> and then, during a break, Kevin would go, uh, Taz, do we have Vince? I'm like, no, nah, I haven't heard him at all. Like, Come on, dude, shoot. So I learned that without naming names from one of the commentators yeah. there who taught me that. And then Vince, I was like, Vince, I can hear you now. And then they, they, you know, there's like five audio guys mess with my, whoa, during the break, you know. You know there's nothing wrong with the audio. Bro. I just scooge myself off. So, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just get to a point if you do enough, after you do enough shows, you just don't, you just, right. you know. Uh, I mean, sometimes Vince you know, would give you some really good stuff because, you know, we are the last voice to sell tickets. Mm. You see, and I learned that right away. We are the last voice to great, the audience. It's a great sentence. Yeah, it's We're true. We're the last bro. voice to sell the tickets. Last yeah. voice to sell tickets, right? We're the last voice at that time to sell pay per views. You know, so you, so Vince knew that, and he would utilize the announced talent. And I would learn. I learned so much about the business by being an announcer there. I mean, just because I've had so many one on one, well, three people in the meeting, me, Cole, and, and, uh, and Vince, meetings, pre-show meetings about, let's go this direction, let's go, no, not, people, some people think it's a script, it's not, you can't do that job in a no, script, no, 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 it's no. impossible, right, you know, and it's, the matches are so quick, especially TV matches, as you know, you, only, you, you have a short time to get over each talent and the story and get me to the next segment, it's not easy, it's a very hard job, it's mm-hmm. an extremely oh, absolutely. hard job, you know, so Vince understood, and I learned rapidly that the the announced talent is the last voice to get people to, to pay. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it's a big pressure job. Uh, there were times that I didn't want to go on the air, or me and Cole would just sit in the parking lot and show prep. Didn't want to be around, like you know, just it just it gets. Why is that? That's a good question. Too I mean, much pressure it, or, or it's not sensory pressure. overload? It's not or? the pressure. It's it's the um, lack of freedom as a broadcaster. Ah, uh, I gotcha. And it, I can't speak for Cole, but it would it would piss me off a lot. And I'm not the only guy, as you know. Mm-hmm. It would piss you off when you have something. You're a guy who has something to say. Hence the success of this podcast. I'm a guy who has something to say. Uh, uh, Steve Austin's guy who has something to say. Jerry, you get my drift, yeah. right? So, so you have something to say. You're creative. You you have an esophagus with voice muscles. You say it, and a mind. Well, I would feel like I'm just a puppet. Yeah. A highly paid puppet. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where when I left, like I had my, it was like probably my third contract coming at me. And I I, I felt bad. I said, Kev, I'm not, I'm not, Kevin Dunn is your direct oh, boss. Oh, you left and on your own. I did. Yeah. yeah. And I said, I just, I think I need a little break. He goes, what? He goes, well, you want to, is it a money? I said, no, it's not the money. Money's fine. I, and he was so cool. He's like, well, think it over. I said, okay. And I took a week. It was right before WrestleMania in, Orlando at the yeah it was uh, 2008 Bowl. it was not Orlando it was, it was uh, 2008 yes thank you Citrus Bowl thank you I can remember and I remember I it was right it was the week going into that and I I um I just didn't want to do it anymore I didn't want to be in the company I needed a break I they treated me great dude it wasn't that I they treated me great I was flew on Vince's plane home all the time because we had to get in for do voiceovers in, in Connecticut and stuff and. Um, I just needed a break, and Kevin was cool, and I talked to Vince, and we hugged. We had tears in our eyes. He's like, Dad, I'm, you know, I don't want you to leave. I go, Vince, I don't want to leave, but I just need a break. He goes, I understand, you know, and and so we left in good terms. And and I remember saying to, to Kevin, 
I said, I will come in, not to leave you in the lurch, and I will call WrestleMania. He goes, well, no, your contract will be done. You're not signing. Your deal's done. Oh, Kevin, I don't need money. Just fly me in. I'll do it for free. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you guys have been here oh, just about a decade. Yeah, right. I don't, you don't need to pay me. I said, but if you want to go a different direction, he goes, yeah, let me talk to Vince. But I, I appreciate that. He goes, but I think we, you know, we got to go whatever we're going. I, right. I understand that. And they did. They didn't yeah. use me. All right. There are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. For me, when I first came in the WWE, and the same with Austin, and the same with Hunter, and the same with Eddie, and everybody, when you first came in the WWE, was it a hard adjustment to make it first? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much for you. I mean, you just said it was. It was but hard. Bro, for me, I was a five foot eight killing machine in ECW where I was saying, beat me if you can, survive if I let you, and get in your face, and, you know, that my gimmick was built on the intimidation, you know? That's who the human suplex machine was. And, and when Vince and I negotiated everything, and well, I was under the impression I was going to be the same character, but they didn't see me like that. So that change in my style, I remember Vince saying to me once, well, you know, people, no, one of the agents, it wasn't Vince, one of the high agents said, I don't know if it was Pat or it was Jerry Briscoe, whoever it was, said, it might have been Vince too, it, looked, it looks like you're hurting guys with these suplexes. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, isn't that my job? I mean, like, I'm supposed to be portraying that I'm injuring you. Yeah, but you're not a big guy. I go, okay, well, I'm, I'm not a little guy. I'm not a tall guy, but I'm 255 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm little. I'm just not tall. But if I'm, I mean, Mike Tyson kind of has this thing where he's 5'10", and he can just knock people's heads off their bodies, and mm-hmm. people believe it. So I didn't buck it that much. I just said my piece, and they're like, well, I think we need to kind of repack i said okay and, and i had to change my in-ring style vince wanted me to be a baby face that was full of heart fighting from underneath i couldn't sell to save my ass yeah, that's never your thing yeah I, I wanted to be a good seller but i just i sucked at it mm-hmm. trust me i you know you worked to me you know unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately I, I tried though you know it's interesting <laughs> though man it's funny because i remember bret hart told me this when i came in 
And I got lambasted, and it's well documented. My first three months there were not good. And Brett said that Vince is like a drill sergeant that wants to break you down and build you up in his own image. Mm. And anything that anybody has ever done before they go through that curtain means nothing. Means nothing. Yeah. So when he sees Taz, he might never even have seen you in ECW. Yeah. And like you said, you're not a small guy. You're you're a cigarette machine with a head on it. <laughs> but you know, like it's not tall. Yeah. yeah in yeah. Vince's world of tall is you know, and that's I can see, especially during that time, Chris. You were there. Absolutely. You were six six. You know? I can see the the difference in what's going on because you came in with one thing, and if they don't push you that way. Then you're just a guy. I know. Because I remember that night in the garden when you came in. It was like a surprise against uh, Angle. Yeah. Talk to us about that. That was one of the best moments. <laughs> yeah. Bro, it was the greatest moment in my professional career. Yeah. And I said it on my show many times. It was the greatest moment in my career and the worst. And I'll tell you why no it was way. the worst. Because I knew when I walked out, I, I've been around like you were around. You know, you know you're know, you smart to the business. And when I when I came out, I when I was in the gorilla position, I was, Bruce Pritchard was running gorilla. And right when Kurt was cutting his promo, and I I said to Bruce, I go, wow, I I, I hope they know who I am. I was <laughs> yeah. just afraid because yeah, yeah. I was from the small little bush leagues yeah. in ECW and the bingo hall, and <laughs> and on cue my music hit, um, not my music, the heartbeat, ba -boom, yeah, ba -boom. Bing, bing. Yeah. and the place exploded, and Bruce goes, I think they know you, bro, <laughs> like that, and I. When I walked through the curtain, as I was walking slowly with towel on my head, it got louder and louder to pop. And I had this epiphany. I'm doomed. Because this pop was not built mm, wow. by this place. That's a smart... Bro, it hit me walking down the aisle. I'm not a spiritual guy, but I don't know what words in the spiritual talk you put it in, but it, it was... It, it just hit me. I'm like, wow. This is... You know, I still was focused on the match. I got an Olympic gold medalist. I got to go work with, you know. <laughs> you know, Kurt wasn't super polished then either. So it was a war. Uh, <laughs> you know, and now Kurt, again, be... Kurt also not a big guy. I mean, no, well, no. muscled, but not no, tall. Not He's tall. shorter we than were, I am. Yeah, we and Kurt are probably the same height. Right. And, I, you know? and we worked physical, aggressive, and all that. And, and here's what happened. When I hooked him in the choke, uh, he got choked out. I didn't notice till after when I heard the commentary back. JR and King was saying it's an illegal choke, it's an illegal choke. Like that, that was not part of the shtick, bro. Mm. I got kind of worked on that. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I got swerved, yeah. In what way that like, you were under the assumption that's your finish? Yeah. There was no words told to me by the writers or anybody that's going to be an illegal, illegal choke. We're going to do this thing. I knew Kurt was going to get stretchered, but I didn't know it was going to be called an illegal choke. Mm. Like, that never came, that, those words never came to my ears until I heard the commentary the next day in catering. Watching the tape back, the VHS, as you know, we used to use the VHS. <laughs> and um, um, here's another funny thing: when I came through the curtain right after that, dude, it was like a ghost town. Vince wasn't a gorilla. There was, and this is live Royal Rumble in Massachusetts. Really, bro? It was like I felt, I, and I'm like, I guess I got heat. I, I it was wow. I, yeah. Another thing that happened. See, when you brought up the garden, and now that guy's getting. I've talked about this on this show, my show, a lot. What happened during the match, if you go back and watch it, uh, it was a German suplex spot where I did a German to, to, uh, to Kurt and flip him, and he lands on his belly. Um, what happened was when I grabbed Kurt, he, he, you know, he popped up, and I put him back down. 
because I knew, and you know, I've suplexed you many times, and I would always say to guys, let me control you, I'll protect you, mm-hmm. and you know, you got it right away, mm-hmm. and Kurt was just, we didn't know each other that well in the ring, and so he, you know, Kurt, he's a working machine, he's aggressive, you know how he is, and and I, I knew the timing was way off, mm-hmm. and I knew if I went through with that throw, he was going to get hurt, Right. I knew it, mm-hmm. I put him back down and then did the throw on my pacing, and he was fine, mm-hmm. but what happened was, that little hiccup, from what I feel and what I heard, freaked out the boss and some of his people that are close to him. Wow. And, and that's yeah. all it takes. That's all it takes, brother. And once again, not knowing you, quote unquote, yeah. and seeing maybe you heard some things. They know my rep. They yeah. only know is my rep. Yeah. You know, I remember when I first met with Vince, like he, we had this great meeting in a conference room in a hotel on a Wednesday afternoon. Because we couldn't meet at the office. Oh, wow. It was a secret. Yeah. And oh. I was top guy in ECW. Right. So it was a big kayfabe thing. And, you know, as things were back then. And, mm-hmm. and it, was, it was fun. And we met. It was, uh, it was me, Vince, and actually took Vince Russo was there. He was the head writer then. And um, it was just us three. And they had a catering spread there. That <laughs> it looked for like, like 50 people. It was like three guys, you know. Right, right, you know right, how yeah. it is, right? That's Vince impressing Oh, you yeah, there, bro. Man. And I was impressed. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> he got me. He hooked me. And um, uh, it worked. And... Uh, and, dude, we talked about money and the deal. That that took literally, no lie, 10 minutes. Mm. And then we talked for, like, I don't know, another hour and a half about nothing, everything else. Yeah, it's about life, yeah. The deal was done, mm-hmm. you know. And and he, so he knew me. He knew the character. He talked about, I used to have the FTW on my wrist. He's like, I don't know if we could do the FTW. I don't know. That seems a little, that was the only thing. And I, my concern was, am I going to be able to be me? Because I, I don't know how to do a lot of, portray a lot of characters in this business. But this one I know. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say he lied to me. I just think that he had a different vision uh, for me once I was there. You know? Yeah. It's like a coach on a team. I might think you're the greatest player in the world, but then I get fired. He comes in as the coach. He mm-hmm. might think you stink, and he benches you. Yeah. You know? Well, I, like, I came in basically under... I mean, Vince obviously made the decision, but Russo was, like, the big champion for me. And then Russo yeah. left, like, a month later, and I was <laughs> done. I was done. Dude, that's what happened to me mm. because Russo left. Same thing happened with me. He was he was in my he was corner. A too, yeah. And then he's gone, and I was doing an, a radio interview with Bill Apter. You know Bill. Yeah. And Bill said, I don't know if you just heard, but uh, Vince Russo's leaving WWF. And this is right before I debuted. And I'm trying to like work, like, oh uh, yeah, I heard that might happen. I have no idea. <laughs> I got done with that interview, and I called Russo, and he didn't pick the phone. I'm like, dude, I, I really need to talk to you. Like, I was concerned. I was so concerned, Chris. I went to the Nassau Coliseum two weeks later. WWE Raw was doing a show there, and uh, and Vince, I told, I contacted Beth, his assistant. Then, oh, she's not around. Vince's assistant. Is she still there? I don't think she yeah. is. Yeah. But anyway, and she was real cool, and, and she's yeah, go, go. I'll tell Vince you're going to be at the uh, at the Coliseum. So I go, and 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 I went in uh, in his mock office, and he's like, hey, pal, what's going on? You're going to debut soon, all this. He was all excited. I'm like, yeah, it's great. I met with him and Shane, and I said, this is my concern. I said, you know, my concern is that you know I'm, uh, you know. This other guy left, and he's the guy bringing me in. He goes, whoa. <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs> I brought you in. Yeah. He didn't bring you in. And I'm like, that's all I need to hear, Vince. That's all I need to hear. I live 15 minutes from this building. 15 minutes to hear that, I'm good. Have a great show. <laughs> <laughs> he left. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and that yeah. was it. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I, but it didn't really, early on from my wrestling career, pan out. A lot of people say, oh, man, they, they dropped the ball on you as a wrestler. Oh, man, you know, you failed as a wrestler there. You know what? I got to tell you, I am so thankful to WWE. I would not 
have had a second career as a broadcaster there without them giving me the opportunity. I don't need to kiss their ass. I never have. I'm very critical, very critical of them at times on my show, but I also put them over a lot too. I'm very genuine on my show, mm-hmm. how I feel, and I'm not a hater. I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm very happy where I am in my life. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's all, I'm just like you very said, happy. It's all part of the of the evolution of Taz going from like you said FTW yeah. never talk, you know, and look at you now I know. can't shut you up can't shut up. I know. <laughs> was <laughs> it hard to leave uh, ECW at the time? Oh, was yeah. what year did, was it? Is that ninety nine? Two thousand nine. Is that when you came? In? I debuted in right after you. I debuted. You debuted for WWE. Yeah, it, it had to be late ninety nine, like Christmas. Yeah, very S. close. Yeah, I debuted in at the Royal Rumble in two thousand. Okay. So it was like right after you. Right. I remember seeing your debut, and I'm like, I remember talking to Kevin Dunn and Jim Johnson. I said, no, because they talked about my video wall before I debuted, and Adam Panucci, you know Adam, mm-hmm. and, and he's the band, and uh, and music. And I'm like, and we sat in this conference room in staff. I said, uh, he goes, what are you thinking? And I said, whatever you guys did for Jericho, times 10. <laughs> and they all popped. They all left. I said, his that was awesome. You know, and yeah. they were like, yeah, no, no, because I, I, I loved it, you know, mm-hmm. so... I was joking about the times ten, but no, you know, but it's still. I mean, it's funny too because we yeah. think about that that intro. Yeah, but it wasn't too long after that that I'm losing to D'Lo Brown on Sunday Night Heat. I forgot because I was so worried it about was, my own thing. You know, when you're there, right up there, and then went straight down the the, the, the rabbit hole, that, and that's how they do so it. You lived that too. I completely did it. I, I was able to get out of it, but it took a long time. It really, really did. It was not easy, you. bro. Yeah. You know how it is. You're so focused on your own yeah. thing when you're there, even though we're sharing a locker room. Mm-hmm. You don't really pay attention to what everybody else is doing. You yeah. know? I didn't anyway. Yeah, I, I just didn't. I was so I'm working with the big boss man and Albert and trying to you know two on one and these guys are nine feet tall and <laughs> po- potato me in love way potatoing me <laughs> yeah, and because yeah. Vince wants to you know bring out that anger in Taz and his comeback. Okay, well, I don't need to get you know these giant <laughs> men stomping on me to get me angry. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. working with Dave Heath, Gangrel, who I love, and, and hitting him so hard and busting his eardrum with an open hand slap because they wanted me just to be super See, physical. But that's what I happened. felt so horrible. You I start losing your confidence, though. You yeah. don't know what they want. I know. And that's they don't a know what bad they place want, to be. They don't right. know what they want. Yeah. It is a bad place. And that's where I was. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you were a little bit too. Oh, I, didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't know no, that. Completely. My, my first... Uh, I started the door opening up when I worked with Triple H for the title, I think in April. And they, they had me win the title for like 20 minutes. It was a mm. surprise thing. I came in in August, so that's eight months. Of, I remember calling. That yeah. wasn't when you won the – what was it when you won the, the, the big flare belt? The world – that was after, right? That, well, yeah, well, I, officially was, it was the Undisputed Championship, but it would be Rock and Austin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I called that match. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So we were asking, was it hard for you to leave ECW? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. brutal, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was yeah. horrible, man. It sucked. <laughs> I cried like a frigging baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. It was horrible. Well, what, was was the, what was the reason then? Paul and I, Paul thought that we had a deal. We verbally agreed. <sighs> It wasn't a leverage thing. I, I didn't even know about WWE uh, coming to the table. We we agreed on a deal, and I, then I was thinking, I don't know if Paul can actually financially afford what he's telling me he's going to pay me, because I was pretty hot at that time. Mm-hmm. Like the character was really and also one of the cornerstones. I think of yeah. I think of the Dudleys. I think of Tommy. I think of you and Sabu. Those yeah, are the four yeah, yeah. Mount Rushmore ECW guys. Yeah, I think you got four like Raven or Shane and like, that. Uh, yeah, 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 and RVD, RVD. Yeah, absolutely. But I get your drift. Cornerstones, yeah, and thank you. But the thing is, man, like, you know, I wanted to work the big buildings. I wanted to, I wanted to be in what I felt was the major leagues at that time. 
I, I, I always want the next best mm-hmm. thing for me. Even though we verbally agreed, we, didn't, we never really had paper. We always shook hands, you know, old school, right? And um, uh, when I got the call from them to have a meeting, you know, I just couldn't pass it up. And <laughs> and the money was amazing. And uh, it's the most money I've ever was going to make in my life at that time. And I had a, my wife and I just had a, a baby, you know, so I just felt like, I had to, and then the toughest thing was I sat there with Vince in that conference room in that hotel in Stanford, and I said, "You know, I got to, um, I got to work dates. I got to finish out the right way and put guys over." And Vince like, "Yo, God, of course." He goes, "Do business the right way." Yeah. I believed in that, you mm-hmm. know. I really believe, and I still believe. So does in Vince? That. I know, I know, and and I still believe in that. And Vince was like, "He's like, I'm so glad that you're going to be part of this company because you get it. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys don't. Get it. No, I get that, Vince." And, and brother, Paul had me do a lot of jobs on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, he kind of pissed at you for he was for very pissed? We had a deal, sort of thing. Kind of, yeah. And how yeah. could you do? Like he was very, very pissed. Mm-hmm. He was very, very pissed. Sure, that was a hard conversation to have. Very hard. That my phone and that then cell phones were newer then, as you know. Mm-hmm. But I had one because I was cool, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, and. Didn't remember if cell phones didn't the guy's name would come up his number would come up yeah and I knew his number by heart it's my boss and while I'm in that meeting it kept ringing ringing oh when you were with Vince yeah. oh wow I think he knew I was there I think he did someone he knows it off. he's a yeah, he's yeah. very witchy he knows yeah. everything he kept calling me calling yeah. me and Vince just said something oh your phone's busy yeah it's my wife um. And then I, I, I went home. I didn't call him right away. I, I talked to my wife. She's like, you gotta, what are you going to tell Paul? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him, and good God, I felt like a piece of crap. Mm. But I really believe to this day, I just feel like he wouldn't be able to afford. He, his heart was in the right place, what I thought. And I, you know, it's a long time ago. But yeah. And we obviously are still friends, but there was a time there where it was very. Well, I think it wasn't too long after that that ECW they might have only lasted a year, about a year. Yeah, yeah. On my way to the Garden to wrestle Kurt on my debut, he's the only guy I called. I remember being on the Long Island Expressway, and I called him. Did he answer? Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And I, I I said to him, "I'm going to do this, and I'm going to debut, and you know that." And I did jobs on the way out, and I know you're mad at me, and I appreciate you taking my call, but I have to thank you. You know, um, because without you giving me the opportunity, I, I wouldn't be on the way to complete a dream of debuting, uh, of wrestling in my hometown at the Garden. In the Garden, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I just, uh, I always had three goals as a wrestler. I just always wanted to just make enough money to make a living, hold a championship somewhere, any kind of championship, and and maybe one day work in the Garden. That was always <laughs> my three goals, you know. Yeah. And then I was able to complete that. And Paul was so supportive and congratulated me he said you're gonna do great just be you and just do your thing in there and you know and and funny story um as you and i record this now as you know we just did my 500 episode of my show and i text paul last night Hmm. and i thanked him because i said to him without you give me that opportunity in 1993 to get over this kid called sabu because <laughs> I came in to just put Sabu. Is that what it was? That's all it was. Because you're just like a local guy. Yeah, Tasmaniac. Like, yeah, Tasmaniac. And I'm like, bro, can I get some extra dates? Because well, I don't know. We'll see. You know. And I worked, and that was it. Boom. It just, so, it, so, so, how did that all come to place? And what did, what did Paulie? Because Paulie was the king of 
accentuating strengths and hiding weaknesses. With everybody. You look at all those guys from 911, the Sandman, the Public mm-hmm. Enemy, and you were obviously much, much, much better than those guys. Yeah. But it was the same thing. Like, like you said, this five foot eight suplex yeah. killing machine. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, well, uh, we got out of the Tasmania because he felt like I had the gift of gab and I could talk. And I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to cut promos. And he forced Because you're me. like a gimmick. Like you're like a savage yeah, or something. I was like, like yeah. my gift, the Tasmania for me was a mixture of like the Missing Link. Right. The Wild Samoans. Yeah. And throwing some Steiner Brothers. You know, it's yeah, kind yeah, of a yeah. weird, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. kind of that, that kind of weird mix. So, you know, um, uh, then we got out of that gimmick and became Taz. That was kind of like Paul's idea. And the orange and black was my idea because I wanted to wear, not that I love orange and black, I just wanted to wear colors that nobody else was wearing. Remember that time, during that time, everybody was wearing red and black. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be different. I remember Bret Hart was wearing pink, pink and black. Pink and black, yeah. So to me, that was cool. He yeah. had branding. So I understood mm-hmm. branding early. And um, uh, blah, blah, blah. then I broke my neck. I hurt my neck right when we were, I was doing stuff with me and Eddie Guerrero. We're working the loop, tagging against Too Cold and uh, Dean Malenko. So, and then I injured my neck bad, and I was out for nine months. Mm. And Paul paid me, and he wasn't making a lot of money with the company, and uh, I just got home from my honeymoon. And I'm like, how are you going to pay me? I, he goes, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And, and, um, and I felt like I got to be loyal to this guy, and that's why I stayed there for so long. And, but anyway, the suplex thing and all that, like the whole Taz character, a lot of my inspiration for that came from a mixture of my background uh, as an athlete um, in training Pancrase and Mike Tyson. Mm. Like, that's, and I, I pulled from all that. And I think you being a creative guy and knowing the business, what I just told you, you get. Mm-hmm. That's who Taz was. Right. And, and the towel was from Mike Tyson. Now, Mike Tyson used to wear a white towel around his, like a poncho, cut a hole in it. <clears throat> and he grew up in a part of Brooklyn, not far from where I grew up. I didn't know him, but he was hot as hell back then. And I wanted to do something with a towel. And, I wasn't going to wear it like him. I didn't want to copy him, so I wore it over my head. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then during that same time, but I wasn't really paying attention. In Japan, uh, help me. What's his name? Was doing the same thing. Takata? No. Man, I'm drawing a blank. Suzuki. Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know because I wasn't even paying attention. I don't know if he knew I was doing. I think it was. It really was. I don't think he copied me, and I know I didn't copy him. But anyway, because at first I wore an orange towel, and Paul's like, "Don't ever wear an orange towel." You wear a black towel. It's sinister. It's mean. And I used to take the towel, dude, and I would make it. I put it in dirt. I roll it in dirt and grime it. I put it in a plastic bag so it smelled. So when I walked in the aisleway, because you know there was no yeah. people so close, people could smell that. Hmm. I wanted that. I wanted that scent. Like this guy's a bad <laughs> a BMF. You know, this guy stinks. He's nasty. He's, I just wanted that. Yeah. Just, yeah. I tried to do the towel, and then I'd get home. My wife would grab it and wash it, and I'd get hot. <laughs> like, don't wash it, you know? <laughs> it stinks. I know it stinks. It's the gimmick. You're killing the gimmick. <laughs> but you, you had, like, it was, when, when Taz was kind of at its, at his peak, it was a guy, like you said, who never really did jobs and never really bumped no. in a lot of ways. Like, what a great gimmick my, to that have. That wasn't my idea, dude. That was Polly. I swear yeah. to you. Of course it is. The bump, uh, the job thing was not my idea. He, you know, his idea was, I have in a way we can get you to do a job. I go, Paul, I'll do a job. Well, we're going to break the ring in Asbury Park with Bam Bam. I go, right. bro, you don't have to break the ring. <laughs> you know? But, and he, but he's protecting you. Right. That's one of his investments. He was, but also he was creating a buzz that Taz right. is hard to do business with. Oh. Taz don't want to do jobs. 
Now, looking back, it was smart what he did because mm-hmm. it lent to more legitimacy for the character. Hmm. That wasn't true. I didn't say that. And that, that's Paul being a smart booker. I'm, I'm not hot at the guy for that. I mean, I might have got hot over the years a little bit out of yeah. over it, but I'm, overall it worked out no, pretty I was good. smart. I, I Tell us it. about that because now you know, we see the ring break. You know, yeah. Big Show will suplex Strowman. It breaks. And yeah, yeah. I think they went through the, the ring the other day. But that, yeah. to me, was the first time we'd ever seen something like that. Yeah. Uh, how, did, how was that constructed? Chris Candido. Chris is the reason why it happened. Because Chris knew a guy named Richie Posner. You know Richie. Richie Posner, yeah. Okay. yeah Magic like, Richie. Posner. Yeah. Magic, yeah, a lot of people, no one knows he who that is. He used to be the prop guy in right. WWE. That's right. They call, he was, go to Magic. He, he was, was the man, like, Magic. He needs yeah. to go to Magic, Richie he Posner. He was the man, yeah. and he worked for WWE yeah. uh, for a lot of years. Not anymore. Right, he's not with them. No, no, they let him go like yeah. 10 years ago. Or and and uh, Chris knew him. Candido knew him. And um, Chris was working for us, and Paul had the idea of breaking the ring. I didn't know this, and Paul talked to Chris, and then Chris talked to me. Is that something that happened in the 60s or 70s, or did Paul just have this epiphany? I think it might have happened in many Maybe years at some ago. point, right? Some, I, think, yeah. I feel like WWE might have did something like that, with like maybe Undertaker early on or something. Okay. I don't think we were the first ones to do it. Okay. I don't. I think we did it right because it worked, and no one expected it. And so he God. goes to talk to Posner, and then yeah, he goes to talk to uh, yeah, and Richie Posner came to the ECW dojo in Long Island to tell us how he's going to construct this son of a gun, and and he came to the show and he was so nervous. I can't let Vince know. I'll get fired. I'll get in trouble. I'm helping. Oh, you guys. so we did it. He's on the kayfabe. Yeah. <laughs> so so anyway, uh, what ends up happening is it, it worked. Obviously, the trapdoor gimmick, but it's still dangerous because if you hit the edge, like oh, me yeah. and me and Bam Bam were concerned. Like Bam Bam was worried about me. Because I had to have him in a choke and be higher than him. So when he goes back, if my head hit that frame, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you kill yourself. You know? Did they flip a switch to open it, or how did it work? You want expose the whole gimmick? Probably? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, wow. you can... <laughs> Are we just breaking kayfabes here? <laughs> Let's not expose it. You Come can tell on. me later. What happened to the later. old school uh, Jericho? <laughs> what are we doing tell, here? Tell, tell me later. I'll tell you when we're off the air, yeah, yeah. kid. <laughs> so, but, but, but talk about the reaction yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah. the fans. They're just like, oh, my God. It's a trapdoor, Chris. I okay, know. No. We've had trapdoors before. I mean, yeah. It's hot. There's a... No, yeah, the reaction was insane. Yeah, and um, it was amazing. And then when Paul's like, "Let's do it on the ramp in, in Dayton, Ohio," I'm like, "Oh, we can't do it again." No, no, it's going to be better. And it worked just as good better, on the yeah. ramp when we did it on the ramp. It was crazy. I mean, um, it was great. It was Paul. It was Paul. It wasn't me. At Bet Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever rock and wrestling rager at sea. Picture this. Rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018 from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. How good was Bam Bam? The best. Yeah. I loved them. Did you ever work with them? Yeah. I worked with them one time, or two times, and I'll tell you in a second. But to me, not just how good was he, how underrated is he. Oh, People Lord, forget. man. Oh, yeah. God. He, and he, 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 we loved each other, but he would, you know. Yeah. 
you got to be humbled, man. Yeah. I'm like, well, I, you know, and I go in and he tatered me and I tatered him back. And like, you son of a bitch. Bro, we would trade and he was not a fun guy to trade punches with. Oof. But he could hurt you badly. <laughs> and I would test him, like, and, and then he would, like, bring it. I'm like, all right, we're good, man. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked him. I had this show uh, that New Japan put on a, a show in America. It was like a WCW, and it was. Mall America's. Yeah, 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 it was called. No, no, it wasn't Mall America. It was called the World Peace Festival in LA. Oh. Um, I worked so hard to get on that show because I was a nobody at the time, just working in Japan. I finally weaseled my way on the show, and they put me in there in a three-way with Conan and Bam Bam, Jericho, Conan, and Bam Bam. And I'll tell you what, man, he put me over so good. He even did the job for me. For some reason, he was mad at New Japan or something, and he's like, no, no, no. Everyone expects Jericho to lose first. He goes, I want to lose, and Jericho's going to pin me. I pin him with a German suplex. That's Bam Bam. And I was like, that's Bam Bam. I had never seen him before, and I saw Uh, him one time after. Like, what a guy to do that. Good guy. I loved him. I loved loved working with him. Underrated. You said it best. Mm -hmm. Underrated is the best word, adjective to use for him. Yeah. Yeah, Unbelievable. We we talked about this earlier, but I want to bring it up because it's it's, it's a different show, but my first time in ECW, I came and did a couple matches, but my first match in the ECW arena was against Taz, mm. and the big thing was that I got to take you off your feet with a German suplex, yeah. and that, talk about making me Bam Bam, maybe, that made me in ECW yep. in one move. Yep. 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 Just the fact that, like, did, yeah. did, when Paulie suggested that to you, did you say, who the hell is this guy, or did he explain anything, no. or was it very easy to figure oh, out? No, 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 I, I just, I was, all I said to Paul was... Because I, I knew you, I knew who you were. Yeah. I didn't know much about you, but I knew I respected the Calgary guys. Mm. So I looked at you as a Calgary guy because yeah. you come out of a yeah. dojo, you know. So I, I respected guys out of that school, mm-hmm. even if I didn't know them. So I just said um, something along the lines of Paul, "Are you um, are you going to do more with Chris? like what are we doing? Yeah, do some of this kid before yeah. I do this." I'm cool with it. I just go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we're gonna, you know, this guy. Okay, cool, man. It was really that simple of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew that you. I had a feel. A lot of us knew you were gonna get over, and a lot of folks didn't know you then. But um, you know, you're kind of a pretty talented guy. <laughs> so you know, I mean, you know, so it it, 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 I had no problem doing it. I don't. But still, talk about the booking of like you know you mentioned how Apollo was able to book certain things like that was a really smart thing. Because I remember that was the only thing you have to make sure you have to you're gonna suplex Taz. I remember <laughs> talking to him. This is the he's never leaves. It. You're going to suplex him now. He's gonna pick you up and drop you on your head right afterwards. <laughs> but that's okay. And that was and by the way that was the way it was discussed and that's yeah. the way it was told to me. And you did drop me on my head, but that's what we had agreed on. Did you get hurt? Not at all. Uh-huh. And we agreed upon it though. That's if, right. if, if, we did. And you had no qual. I. I I understood yeah. because I watched ECW in Calgary. A friend of mine had the MSG network. That's how long ago this yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So I used to go over and say, the guy was a hoarder. He had the worst house, so much shit in there. But I would brave it just to watch ECW. Yeah. And I knew the the legend of Taz yeah, and how yeah, yeah. big of a deal it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, no, I um, I loved work. I mean, geez. I, we worked with each other many times. A bunch and, of times, and, yeah. and in WWE, I remember uh, working with you and... Um, you got me through this match. It was either I think it was a live raw. We were maybe like seg one. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this. What was yeah, this? and you know, you know, as you know, seg one on raw is a big deal. A big deal to wrestle, and we yeah, wrestled. Yeah, yeah. And it was in Philly. Wow. So yeah, and, like a and match. Yeah, one on one. Someone ran in. I don't remember. Maybe Kurt, somebody, or maybe you were doing something with Backlund. No, maybe Not Kurt Backlund. was. I never worked with Backlund. Kurt. Maybe Kurt was with Backlund. Yeah. Anyway, and and then what happened was we went over the match, discussed some stuff, and all this jazz. And it was getting ready to be showtime. I was, it was maybe like know, 6 30, 7 p.m. All of a sudden, I get this pain in my shoulder. Like, I can't lift my arm, bro. Hmm. And you don't remember this. And I told you, I go, dude, I don't know what's going on with my arm. Now, I had torn my bicep earlier, 
and I guess it was part of my bicep tendon and my rotator cuff, and it was killing me. You're like, dude, don't worry, we'll we'll get through the match. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'm just letting you know I can't. And then I went to see Doctor Romascavich there, and uh, <laughs> Romascavich, <laughs> crazy man. <laughs> yeah. And he iced me up. And uh, <laughs> and um, anyway. And you got me through that match, dude. And Even when your arm was just my arm was shot. Dead. I don't know. Yeah, wow. you you bumped like a champ, and 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 your offense was always crisp. So <laughs> that was a problem. Yeah, no, you got you got me through that match more ways than you know. Yeah, yeah. I was hurting. You, you motivated me. Well, that's you know? what we do, though. You know, you take yeah. care of your brother. Yeah, if you, yeah you man. Know. Yeah, it's funny because I, I remember this. <laughs> this is great. There's no way you remember this. So um, w- once again, when I first came in ECW, I didn't know anybody. I knew. You, the guys, the characters, yeah, but yeah. I didn't know the real names or anything sure, like sure. that. And I always try and just ask someone that, hey, what's your real name? Just so I know, even if somebody's called Triple H, I know his name is Paul. Right, right. You know, um, but I wasn't sure what your name was. And I know that uh, people were talking about you and who your manager was at the time. Fonzie. Yes. Yeah. And I went up to you and we were talking about something. I said, what's your real name? Is it Alfonso? I remember that. And you're I like, I remember that. It's not fucking Alfonso. <laughs> And I was like, boy, I just got off on the wrong foot with this guy. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, I remember that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny shit. Oh, oh so you were so mad at me. Why did like, I get so mad? Yeah, well, oh, you, uh, Fonzie God. was a little bit of a nutcase, but I just heard like Alfonso, Taz, oh. Alfonso, Taz. Oh, he's, he's the kind of an Italian-looking guy. Alfonso's an Italian man. That must be his name. <laughs> That's totally a true story. And I remember I was like, oh, Talking about, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wasn't working yeah. with Fonzie. He was a pretty uh, crazy character, crazy dude, passionate, yeah. passionate yeah. guy, just nuts, yeah. just nuts, as nuts as everybody thought he was. <laughs> but he was passionate. He yes, every segment we had to do, anything we had to do. All right, Daddy, we're, we're gonna just you know. He was like, he was like coaching Daddy. me up. I'm like, bro, I got it, dude. <laughs> you know, he was, he was crazy, so passionate. I, I, you know, I um. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. But that was the whole concept of the ECW locker room. Like, I remember going there, and Paulie would have this speech uh, in the arena, and there was kind of a, a, in my mind's eye, it might be wrong, there was like a flight of stairs or something, and he would stand on the stairs and give the motivational speech yeah, to everybody. Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, you are the finest yeah, yeah. collection of talent. Nobody, Nobody wants you. Wants Nobody you. wants you. <laughs> at the same time. They will never give you a yeah, chance, but I will. Totally motivated. You wanted to run out of there and just yeah. go, kill! And that's how it all was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, it was, you know, everybody's like, oh, you drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. You know, because um, a lot I, of what he said was true. I mean, a lot of us were misfits that nobody wanted. Yeah, that's true. So it's just, until you got hot, then they wanted you. Yeah, yeah. Bubba always had a good point. He said that, like, uh, Vince would appreciate tell you how he appreciates you with the amount of zeros on your check. <laughs> yeah. Paulie would literally tell you face-to-face. <laughs> and as oh, much as it's great to make money, but like we talked about earlier, getting a compliment from Vince is not an easy thing to do. Not easy. Whereas Paulie would always... Tell you, and it was it was it felt good, dude. I would. He was the first face I'd see come back to a curve. Yeah, and and if it was great, he'd be there. Mm-hmm. If it was bad, he'd be like, it "Was good. I think you could have did this here in a promo. Let's. You want to talk in a few minutes? We take your boots off. Do you think? Yeah. But when it was real good, and he usually he was a fan of my work, so he liked everything I did. He was sitting there and just motivate you and just put you over, and you know. And I'm like, bro, I just want to take a shower. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, thank you. You know how it is. You just when you get done working, you're just you're done. You know. What but you, he was so passionate. You know? What do you think the downfall of ECW was? Because you guys worked so hard to get to this position, and then once you got there, it wasn't too long before it was all done. I think uh, certain acts leaving, like the Dudleys leaving, 
Uh, there were several acts that left, but I think it felt like, and it, I don't mean this to sound malicious or mean or anything, it's just fact, and it's history. I think when the Dudleys left, it, it hurt, because we were getting ready to go national, and I left a little bit after that. And before the Dudleys left, there were several guys that were leaving. Raven had gone. Raven had yeah. gone, and um, uh, Perry, the Eliminators were done, so that, that, that they were getting a big part, just a lot, you know, like it was just... You know, it, it, but with the Dudleys, I think was the beginning because mm. they were they were a huge part of the company. You know, the success of the company. Yeah, I mean, um, started getting dangerous, and when you get close to the sun of like you know the like Icarus flying too close to yeah. the sun of the WWE, mm. Vince is going to take some guys. It's business. Yeah, you know, and uh, we didn't realize then that the, I don't know the details, but that Vince was actually helping Paul. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy, right? None you of know, us ever knew that. I, no, no, I had no idea. You know, so I, I it was none of my business, but I enjoyed working. With so many guys there, you know, a lot of those guys from then, and I've talked about this on my show, maybe a lot of your fans and listeners maybe didn't hear this, but I'll say it here. You know, I had a, as you know, I had a certain uh, texture about me uh, in the locker room in ECW and my rep and who I was and my reputation. And, you know, a hard-ass guy, I took myself very serious, Mm -hmm. too serious. It took me a long time to get a push like you. But when I got the push, I didn't handle it right. Mm-hmm. I handled it. I remember Raven saying to me once, we were in Tampa, Tampa, at a house at the fairgrounds working. And um, he's like, bro, why are you always, you know, you, you, got a, uh, you got a beautiful wife and a beautiful home. You're making good money. You're here. This is an ECW. You're getting pushed to the moon. What are you mad about? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know, Scotty. I don't know why I'm mad. You know, he wasn't being mean. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I just didn't handle I think I was immature, mm-hmm. and I was—I um, always had a chip on my shoulder because I was told a lot when I came up that I wasn't going to make mm-hmm. it. You're too small, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you just not—you just don't have the height. Your work is a little too aggressive and a little—you know—it's a too much. And I was told that, so I'm like a lot of people. When you tell them you can't, yeah. you know, I'm going to sh- stick it up your ass, mm-hmm. and that's what I pride myself on, you know. And so when I got the big push and I was in ECW I was I had walls around me I didn't want I just didn't I was very just immature Mm -hmm. I I just I just I worked hard I didn't go out and party like a lot of guys do it I didn't begrudge anyone that's their business I mind my business a lot of guys I guess didn't look at me as a team guy because maybe I wasn't partying but there was no peer pressure but Mm -hmm. we were all men you know but I was very you know uh, not human you know Mm -hmm. and uh uh, to the point that when the infamous incident with Rob and I that everyone heard about in the locker room, and everybody was like, oh, my God. Had a fight or something? Well, you, Rob you slapped Taz, and Taz didn't fight oh. Rob. That story. You know, like, I've talked about that on my show. I've had Rob on my show. Mm-hmm. We talked with Rob. In per- you know, mm-hmm. we laughed because, like, that was just, it was such a crazy time. And it was, um, I was going through some stuff personally at home at that time. It was a weird time for me, and. We we had an issue. What happened was we had a, we had a six man match uh, two nights before pay per view in New Orleans. It was me, Van Dam, Sabu against a triple threat, and the whole match was a cluster. I mean, there was just so many problems because Paul didn't give us the finish right. until about ten minutes before the match. Mm-hmm. So we were all scrambling. The match just what it was the main event. It just didn't work well. So there was a lot of arguing in a private room with six of us and Paul, and a lot of stuff was said and. And then we walked out of the room, everything was fine. And then uh, we had a house show in, on Long Island, not far from my house. And then, you know, 
Paul, I'm sorry, Rob, Sabu, and Fonzie travel together. And uh, Sabu, I was behind a table putting my boots on, sitting down, you know, locker room, getting ready for the show. And Sabu, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, what's up? You know, the routine when guys yeah, are in the yeah, locker yeah. room. Hey, Fonzie, what's up? And then Rob, he said, pick a hand. I go, what? And he gives me a swat, catches me like on the corner of my jaw. I'm like, mm. I, I didn't know. I didn't know if he was joking. I didn't know. Like, it wasn't like it what knocked is that, me down. Right? Like, but, you know, and I got up. Like, what, bro, what the f***? Like, what? You know, and, and then it's like I didn't go at him because I didn't know You're what was surprised. going on. And yeah. I was I was like, I don't want to sound soft, but I was in like a whole different. I was dealing with some stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then Rob and I, and then there's a pull apart for the most part. And then Rob and I, you know, talked and worked it out and remained. He did a big just, dive that night, and I caught him. Like, yeah, just you know? one of those things that happens. Like, what are you going to do? If you guys are yeah. good friends and you get smacked, you're going to punch him out? No, like, yeah, That's not I, how it I works. No, thank you're, you. You're more, you're more, like, surprised and almost right. hurt. Right. And I said to Rob, you killed the legend of Taz. Like, we left. Like, I joke. <laughs> I still joke. I text him. I go, you killed Taz, you know. And like, he left. <laughs> Look, so we joke about it, you know. Like, But I still have fans that will try and come at me on Twitter like trolls, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With stuff. And I laugh. I'm like, dude, you guys... My producer's sitting in here right now. Like he, he's heard Rob on the show. We laughed. Like we talked. Like yeah, you well, know. I mean, that, but that's stuff that happens in the heat of the moment and all that sort of I thing. Know, you know, dude. How many times has that happened? It's happened a lot in the business too, mm -hmm. right? People don't hear mm -hmm. some stuff that happens with the boys. <laughs> I know it. You know, and Absolutely. it's so. You know what? It's like I, I, I don't. But you know what? The, this is my point, and the whole crux of what I'm t why I'm bringing this up. In a way, it was great for me because it it broke down this wall. And now, of course, a lot of people are doubting my toughness and my integrity and my heart, and that's fine. You can doubt me, or you want to try me, and what, what do mm. we got to do? But, but I kind of was okay with it because it it made me open up my eyes, how people thought of me. Like I was just up, like shocked that people thought, "Why didn't he try and kill yeah. Rob?" Oh my God, it was shocking. Mm -hmm. Of course, now there's boys in the locker room, so of course they're all going to chirp and yeah, say what yeah, they're yeah. going to say because they have something to talk about. You know, yeah, but, but I'll tell you so. something just, just as the final thing. Yeah, it's a lot different than if you're sitting in a bar and somebody comes and slaps you. Different story. Yeah. If you're talking to if you slap me right now, rather than wanting to kill, I'd be like, what, what's going on, dude? Why would you do that? What's yeah. going on? What's the problem? That that's what friends are. Right. And once again, all the guys in the locker room, it's our team and you don't like everybody, but we're still respect. Yeah. You know, we're out there making money for each other and going through all this together. So that's, yeah, that doesn't even, that's not even an issue at all in my mind. I would oh, do the same thing. Yeah, man. You know? And then, and, and like uh, Rob and I talked about it. That was it. I mean, yeah, like, and it's over. And, yeah. and it was cause he thought I was saying all this bad stuff about him behind his back. And it, it was wrestler telephone. Yeah, tele yeah, and I'm like, yeah. Rob, I think there's some bad info. It was a yeah, long yeah, time a lot, ago. It was a long and, time you know, ago, but, and, Look, it was good mm -hmm. because it made me more human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To my peers, sure, sure. Which is yeah. good. Yeah, I was happy with that. I'm fine with it. Last two questions. First yeah. of all, who's your favorite guest you've ever had on your radio show, and what's your favorite match that you've ever had? My favorite guest I've ever had on my radio show is Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, Smart guy. No, well, because I owed you an apology <laughs> because I was waiting for the unblock apology from Jericho, and uh, well, I made the list and I was wrong. <laughs> Go uh, listen to Taz episode five hundred. Yeah, you'll you hear it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I, you, or I don't even look at you as a guest. I look at you as a friend. But who is my favorite guest? Best guest? Favorite guest? Oh, jeez, I got to tell you. Um, had a lot of fun. This is going to surprise a lot of people. I've had a lot of great guests. So 
that's a tough question. It is. Dude. If I ask you that, how do you? You, you, you the, had more guests than me. One name will pop in. Or the one guy that jumped of. out, I had a lot of fun. It's going to shock you. I don't know if you know him or not. Uh, Jeremy Borash. Oh wow! Like Jeremy uh, Seth, remember that, right? Je- yeah. Jeremy sat here, and we, you know, he had a history in radio. So, yeah, yeah. And I know him a long time. He's got a great sense of humor we, too. Oh my god! Yeah. So we had a lot of fun. Matt <laughs> Hardy also, because Matt was in the gimmick. Yeah, the yeah, broken yeah, yeah, gimmick yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole while. I had him on my show in the yeah, gimmick. He did the, the whole gimmick, time yeah. So now, so it's like you know, so Matt was a lot of fun, but uh, I've had a lot of guys on, yeah. just like you've had more like mm-hmm. I mean I said, but a lot of great guests. I mean, but Jeremy jumps out to me because I didn't expect Jeremy to be that great, and he was happened to be in New York, so he came by. And he was great. He was a great. If you haven't had him on your show, you should have him on. on. You'll you'll, you'll have a great time. He's a good dude, man. What's your favorite match you've ever had? Anything Sabu. I mean, I love working Sabu. One of my favorite matches was him and I uh, living dangerously. I don't remember the year. I'm bad with this. Mm -hmm. I want to say 98. In Asbury Park, New Jersey. For the FTW title, <laughs> the only credible title in the industry's history, ladies and gentlemen, it's like the million dollar title. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, him and I, uh, uh, I just you know we were combative with each other behind the scenes too. Mm-hmm. But I love him. I love him. I don't care if he. Some days he loves me. Some days he hates me. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, there'd be no Taz without him. Right. There'd be no me. I mean, there'd be no Taz character. He made me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I loved working with him. So it's. We had a plethora of thirty-minute Broadways all over the place, mm-hmm. like during that time, and um, they were all fun. Yeah. But that match, that pay-per-view match, living dangerously for the FTW title, I, F- I had a blast. That's the one, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I don't think he was too happy. <laughs> he liked the match, but you yeah, mean? you know, sometimes you, lose? you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Let's leave it at that, <laughs> dude. Great talking to you, great man. Talking thank to you, you so man. much. Congratulations and everything. Thank you. Congrats to you. And get old already. <laughs> hate you. So thanks, Alfonso. <laughs> Heal! All right, thanks to Taz. Check out the Taz Show every weekday. It's a video show and a podcast. Just find him on Facebook at The Taz Show. He's got over 500 episodes up on there. He's got some great guests. Taz covers wrestling at times. So you'll hear his insight on what's happening with today's product. He covers sports. He covers news of the world. He's got a great cast of characters with him as well. So check out the video or download the podcast, The Taz Show. Go do it now. And also, go book your cruise on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, setting sail October 27th. Still a lot of great cabins left at ChrisJerichoCruise.com, but don't kid yourself. We are on a sellout pace. We are going to sell this bad boy out, especially after the big announcement this week. Kenny Omega will be joining the cruise. He'll be wrestling on the ship as part of uh, the Ring of Honor, and also there will also be the Sea of Honor tournament. We'll tell you more about that. But Kenny Omega, the, the one of the biggest stars in independent wrestling today, one of the, probably the biggest star that's not in WWE, is joining the Jericho Cruise, hot on the heels of our great match, Alpha vs. Omega. So make sure uh, you go to Chris Jericho Cruise and book your cabin for as low as $150 deposit. And once you book, remember, everything is included in the booking price. Everything, all the food, all the activities, it's all inclusive. Live podcasts, free. Stand-up comedy shows, free. Meet and greets, free. Concerts, free. Pictures, signings. The chance to see Kenny Omega wrestle, it's all covered in the price of your cabin. Only thing you pay for is if you have the vices of drinking and gambling, you pay for that. The rest is for free. And you get to hang out on the ship with all these incredible luminaries and guests. Remember, we're not uh, sequestered here. It's one big 
big giant cruise ship. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. You will be hanging out with Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Raven, Cyrus and Paul Lazenby from Killing the Town. We'll be doing a live podcast versus the Keeping It 100 crew, Conan, Disco Inferno, and Shane Helms. Beyond the Darkness, we'll be telling some scary tales with Dave Schrader and Tim Dennis. Cole Cabana and Marty DeRosa doing their hilarious, unprofessional wrestling show. Speaking of hilarious, Brad Williams, hilarious. Ron Funch is hilarious. Jim Brewer, hilarious. Three of the greatest stand-up comics in America today. Jim's also going to be rocking you with his great band, The Loud and Rowdy, featuring Steve Brown and PJ Farley from Trickster. Busted Open Radio is joining the festivities. Dave LaGreca will be there. Will Bully Ray? We'll have to wait and see. Fozzie will be playing three sets. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Their new record, Age of Absurdity, is out now. Check it out. King will be there. The Stir from Atlanta. The Dave Spivak Project. Go watch his new video for Get Out of My House on YouTube right now. Speewee will be on board playing. The Cherry Bombs, the darlings of rock and roll. If you see a hotter rock and roll show this year, let me know. Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band. Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best male Ozzy cover band. And of course, the Pièce de Résistance, Ring of Honor, presenting the Sea of Honor tournament aboard the ship. Matches happening in the middle of the ocean, and the winner of the Sea of Honor tournament gets a Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship shot in the future. The entire Bullet Club will be there. Kenny Omega, like we said, the Young Bucks, the villain Marty Skrull, uh, Adam Page, the Hangman, Cody, don't call him Rhodes, will be there. World uh, Champion, ROH World Champion Dalton Castle, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal, uh, 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 Delirious is going to be there. Cody's wife, Brandy, is going to be there. We got so many stars, and there's still more to be announced. I got a few good ones left. They're going to blow your mind. This is the place to be. Uh, October 27th to the 31st, leaving Miami to the Bahamas. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and book your cabin now. All right. Speaking of booking big names and speaking of booking your cabin and speaking of everything else that I do, uh, Todd, wow, he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but he should be. Ever heard the song Taking Care of Business? You ever heard the song American Woman? Ever heard the song uh, 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 You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet? Let It Ride? We're talking about Randy Bachman. Winnipeg's own Randy Bachman is going to be here talking all about uh, BTO, the Guess Who, opening for Van Halen, the Beatles, and everything in between. This is a rock and roll history lesson with Randy Bachman taking care of business with Randy Bachman next uh, week right here on Talk is Jericho. Until then, in the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big, yeah, boy. We'll see you next Wednesday. Wednesday.